This morning I want to go to Acts chapter 1, please. Um, I actually was planning on getting a little further along. Some of you have been having some powerful encounters with the Lord recently, and I want to put that in a framework that says we're not just chasing experiences, but the experiences of God are to move us into certain things. You know, in other words... You never, it's not like going into the store and saying, okay, I'd like one of these experiences and one of these and one of these. Uh, Jesus is always Lord. And so the authority of our lives, we, are, we live in submission to him. And so there's the need for us to say, what are your desires for my life? Rather than just saying, I'd like this and this. Now, Quite obvious, honestly, I love having experiences in the Lord. But I also know that his goal is to see my life transformed to be more like him. Amen. And so there is this ongoing process of transformation that takes place. And also that requires me to change and confess things and get rid of sin and ugliness that's connected to me. But uh, he allows us to have these encounters to, to move us into the fullness of what he desires for our lives. And as we walk in that, uh, we have the privilege of knowing him and having that. So I just, that's where I was planning on going. I just didn't get that far. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 1. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. So this is Luke writing, and the book of Luke was the first one. Now here's the second one. And he says, uh, Jesus, before he was taken up into heaven, giving instructions to the Holy Spirit, to the apostles, and he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So Jesus has risen from the dead. He has convinced them that he's alive. But he talks to them about the kingdom and what lays ahead and, and what's involved. And continues to instruct their lives. He says he's with them for 40 days. That's important for us to note. Because on the day of Pentecost they're going to have this encounter. But it also means that after he's gone they have about 10 days of waiting praying, seeking God. And I just, uh, just throw this out to you, that even when you're pursuing and chasing God, it doesn't necessarily happen the instant that you pray. You know, and, and even as they, they know there's something coming, we often get in this mindset, I need to make a decision right now because otherwise I'll have to waste half the day thinking about this. And you can't just force God's hand He's Lord. He's, he is the one that sets the agenda. And so he carries things out and speaks on his timetable as well. And part of our adventure in him is learning how to embrace that and walk in that. And so just, just that note that there was a, a span of time now, on one occasion while he's eating with them, he gave this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised. So again, he tells them, 
This is what you can anticipate, but I want you to, I want you to just stay and prepare your hearts for this. Wait. Seek him. He says, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now going back to the, the ministry of John, remember he called people to repentance. He called them to renounce their sins. But Jesus is making this declaration, there's a dynamic of the Holy Spirit that you're unfamiliar with to this point. So they, they have walked through the teaching of Jesus. They've participated in his kingdom instruction. They have participated in baptism. They have renounced their sin. But there's still this awareness that he intends to do a work in their lives that they have yet to see. He goes, and out of Luke, you know, there was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And then it goes on in this passage. It says, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley will be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. So John, that was John's message. There is salvation coming from the Lord. John answered them a little bit later. I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come in the straps whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, we tend to link those two things together, but the addressing of that goes even into this next step. It says, His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn. He will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So in this passage, John is making this declaration. What's Jesus' ministry going to be? He's going to bring to you the Holy Spirit in a way that you don't know. But he also says this is a ministry of fire. In other words, he is going to gather God's elect, and he is also going to institute a cleansing of the earth with fire, right? Now, we anticipate that happening yet. That Christ will come and set all things new. John was looking ahead. He was seeing the ministry of Jesus. It wasn't all fulfilled in his first time on earth, right? But there's this promise that Jesus is giving. I came. Part of the reason I came is that the Holy Spirit be with you. Okay. Back to Acts. And they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? This is amazing to me. He's lived, died, rose again. And they're going, they're still asking the same question they've been asking all the way through. Israel, we're going to reign now, right? You're going to put it all together and, and we're all going to have this right now, right? And Jesus is going, it's not for you to know the times and the dates that the Father has established. Jesus tells them very plainly, he sets the agenda. He sets the order of things. And they have still anticipated this establishment of the kingdom on earth, and they're saying, right now, right? It's the same question we ask. You know, all my life I've been thinking, maybe God's coming now. You know? And I remember 
early in, in our churches, there was this any day, any day. And then it gets stretched out and you're going, man, I've lived a lot of years and I've lived with this any day. And part of it is separating the, the, what we see as a history of the United States and what the kingdom of God is about. Because we can see our country rising and sliding and we're going, God's got to step in and do something. But I also look at this and go, I still think he's attached to Israel in a way historically that we tend to brush aside. But in that, it really doesn't matter what happens to this nation in that regard. God is going to carry out history as he wants. What we have to do is, is like the disciples say, it's up to God to set the times and the dates. He has a task for us now. And that's what he was calling them into. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't saying, uh, you're getting preoccupied with something that's not really your business. And what he's addressing is, is I've got something for you. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So it says, I'm going to establish something in your hearts and lives that allows you to take this message outward, but it isn't so political as what you're thinking. And we would be well to, to acknowledge the same thing in regard to our lives. The kingdom of God continues to advance. The kingdom of God is growing. We want to participate in that, and we want all that he has for us, but to just push that into the political arena is a, is a foolishness on our part. And if we're trying to, to pull all the experiences of God for just today, so it's like shopping and saying, okay, you know, let's, let's make it all happen now. Are you going to establish the kingdom now? Do we get to have it all right now? I want all your experiences right now. Uh, there's an antsiness because of our own mortality where we recognize ah, this thing goes longer than what I wanted goes longer than I anticipated. I may well die before he returns. And we're going, eh, I want it now. We've been doing the same thing since we were kids, right? When are we going to eat? When are we going to go to the park? When are we going to, you know, and, and there's, there's that awareness of our limited Time, so to speak. And yet, it's challenged by a God who says, uh, I've got things from beginning to end. And I have my own timetable. But you get to participate with me rather than set the, the course of things. That works in family life too, by the way, <laughs> for your parents. You'll get supper when I decide it's time to eat. <laughs> You know, we'll go to the park when I say it's time. <laughs> because you can't just be driven by that, right? So there's this awareness of we, we submit to our parents, but in the same way, we learn a submission to the Lord that says his timing's better than ours because he sees it better than us. And he understands all things. Okay. 
So that goes on, and he said they, he was taken up before their very eyes in a cloud. And you have these angelic witnesses, and they say, why do you stand looking in the sky? He's been taken up to heaven, but will come back in the same way that you've seen him go. So even in that, there's this promise, we shall see Christ coming in the clouds. And that's one of the truths that the church held on to and acknowledged and saying, he's coming back, we just don't know when. But it's been promised to us, it was spoken of by the Lord, and even in this angelic witness, there's this declaration, just as he went up, he's going to come back. Great wonder. Okay, they went to, back to Jerusalem. They went upstairs to the room where they were staying. And the list of number of people, including the apostles and Jesus' brothers and, and uh, mother and, and others. And it says they joined constantly in prayer. And it says, in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, numbering about 120. So, you know, there's, there's a large group. They're pursuing God. They're doing this for days. They're waiting. And there's a value to just understanding, you know, they, the humanity of who they are has come out of this passage, right? They think it's got to happen right now. They know it isn't. They see him taken into heaven. They go back. They're praying. They're not really sure what's next. But they know they have orders at least to wait. That, that much they know. And so for the next 10 days, they're just waiting. I, I look at that and I'm going... I don't like to wait, and I don't like to read about waiting. You know? and, and when I pray, I want that answer in instantly. And I'm tempted to manufacture it when it doesn't come. Well, I think he told me this. Let's go. You know? And yet, there is this... There is this... Connect with the Lord that moves us to develop patience and perseverance. A couple other things happen out of this passage that, that catch my attention. Now, um, Peter addresses the thing of Judas who had, who had uh, you know, it, it says he bought a field, fell headlong, his body burst open, his intestines spilled out, Gruesome picture. Um, let's take a little aside for just a second. In one passage, it talks about Judas hanging himself, right? How do you reconcile these two passages? I'm not absolutely certain. Was he there long enough hanging that he fell? I, I don't know. I want you to note that it is not a major detail. Okay, in this telling of the story of Christ, you know, you're going to say, well, there's inconsistencies in Scripture. I'm not convinced of that. You know, I, I can find ways of reconciling this, but I, what I want you to note, it has nothing to do with, like, life and death and resurrection of Christ. This is a, this is a, a, a detail connected to Judas, right? So let's keep it in perspective. When, you, when you're 
dealing with those who are going to throw these bombs out at you. Say, what details are you talking about? You know, and what significance to this story do they have? The truth is, Judas died, right? He, he and, you know, it's, they, they all know that story. What I, what I look at is, you know, when the New Testament writers are writing this, they're aware of everyone around and aware of those who are going to be reading it, and they're apparently not too bothered by the writing. So I'm not going to get too uptight over this either. And that's, that's part of my approach in, in, in some things like this. You know, I'm going, I'm not going to deny that it reads slightly different, but I also feel that the apostles are going, yeah, the, this story's fine. Otherwise, they'd have done something to it and fixed it, right? Or maybe it does fit together in a way that I don't understand. But I'm not going to get overwhelmed by this because, like I say, it is not a major part of the story. Judas' death is, is the big issue that they're discussing. And Peter goes, we need to replace his role. We need that 12th person. Now, for us, we're going, why do you need another? Apparently, they saw it as significant. Again, should I be second-guessing them? It doesn't matter to me. I, I'm just, I read the story, and I appreciate what they have. So as they, we, we walk through this, and you know, maybe they're looking at the 12 tribes and saying, this is the new expression of, the, of what God has of his kingdom, and we need the 12 consistent with it. I don't know what they're thinking. But they're going, okay, let's, let's deal with this issue. And so they pick out two who have been with Jesus from the beginning. They say, from the time of the baptism through the resurrection, we need somebody that's been around all that time. Now, here's an interesting thing. We talk about the 12 and say, yeah, they traveled with them. There was a whole host of people that traveled with them. There were 12 that were selected as leaders in that group. But they were able to pick out two. They said, yeah, you were here with the baptism. You were here, you know, let's let's." See, let's Pick one of these two. And <laughs> Peter, in looking at this, says, we need to fulfill the scripture. And he goes back to the scripture. And again, this speaks of how they deal with life issues. So he's looking at it and saying, well, Psalm 69 said that, you know, prophesied that one of ours would be lost. And Psalm 109 says, let somebody else take his place of leadership. So he's going back to the scripture and saying, we need to see this established. But what, is, what does that say about the scripture's role in Peter's thought? He's saying it's extremely valuable and important to us, right? So if you and I are going to live like the New Testament believers, what role does Scripture have to take in our lives? It becomes very important to us, right? So that's, that's one of the things that we just catch out of this story, so to speak. That when they're trying to evaluate what to do, they're going back to the Scripture and saying, huh, 
we, we probably need to do something here. And so they're, they're looking at their lives and they're evaluating it according to their scripture. That's valuable for us as well. And so if you're trying to live the Christian life just from Sunday to Sunday and experience to experience and a little prayer here and a little prayer there without their scripture, uh, you're kind of stepping aside from what was presented to you. And you'd be better off to throw yourself and immerse yourself into it as others have done. Now that said, they, they go through this and we're going, okay, God's going to speak to them. And he's going to say, I want this guy. And they're going, well, we have these two guys. We're not sure what to do. So Lord, we're going to pray and we're going to cast lots. I really like this. Because there are times when I'm praying and I am not getting anything. And I'm going, God, I'm going to make the best decision I can because I have to make a decision in this time frame, so to speak. I get this regularly when I go try to buy a car. <laughs> the heavens are closed to me in that particular issue, regularly. I don't know what I'm looking for. Does it run? Yeah. Okay, let's go. Can I afford it? I, you know, I, I pray. <laughs> and then there comes this point where a decision has to be made. I think sometimes we, we, we over-spiritualize it. And we're wanting to be just the robots so we don't make a mistake. And God's going, there's a dynamic of faith involved with this where you're going to have to trust me. You're not in control. I debated whether I should share this story or not. When Shar and I had been dating a number of months, and I was reasonably certain she was the one, I kept waiting for this word from God. Just tell me, you know, with a, it doesn't even have to be a big explosion. I just want to see your name written in the sky or something, you know. And I'd go out each night and look, and I'd see the stars, and, and you know, too much fog. I, I don't know, you know, it just... And for me, I finally came to the conclusion that at times I can be such a control freak that God was saying, I'm not giving it to you this way. You don't get to call it. And it, it actually was a step of faith that said, I have, I've done everything I can to evaluate this relationship, and I believe it's a healthy thing. And I believe that this is appropriate for my life. But I did not get the, the loud do this that I was hoping for. And I made a decision saying, I think 
God's in this. I, I'm just, this is a step of faith for me. Well, now I can look back and say, that was a good decision, and the Lord was in it. And, you know, um, there have been days when I've wondered, of course. <laughs> days. Not, <laughs> not decades. Uh, but there are, I, I'm looking at these guys making this decision. They said, we've done our best. We've evaluated their lives. We have walked this through. You know, they have the, the abilities that we've noticed. Now, God, you declare who you want. And they cast lots. I, I'm watching a church right now with some friends that the senior pastor retired, and there were two guys who really wanted it, who had been associate pastors. And the church is coming apart because they, neither one was willing to yield. And I'm going, wouldn't it be smarter for them to spend a time of prayer and fasting and cast lots and just, you know, say, we'll let God decide this? There are times in life where you just, you're better off making a decision. What's going to happen is probably neither one will get it. And the church will go through a time of trauma. Well, why would you submit yourselves to that? You know, and there are times when you just have to make a decision and you can't wait any longer. You've done your best to evaluate everything. You've laid out everything to the... God gave you a brain. You've used it to the best of your ability. And there comes that moment where you say, Lord, I'm going to do my best to honor you, but this... This is the direction we're going. And invariably, you find out later, yeah, he really was with you. He really did provide. It, it wasn't what you anticipated. It wasn't as controlled an environment as you wanted, but it happened. Now, I'll say that I'm a person who lives regularly with experiences. I've had God tell me specific things about my life and others that, you know, it's just those, those words. I've lived with that. Um, I've lived with um, very clear words at times. But it isn't like I have a, you know, the, the rabbit's foot that I, or I can rub it and suddenly... Poof, there's the answer in the Lord. He's the one that's in charge. He's the one that has the authority over our lives. He's the one that makes the call about how things happen. One of the things that takes place in settings like this is sometimes you're going to be watching your friends having encounters, <laughs> and you're going to be going, where's mine? And I'll tell you this much, it'll happen when God says it's time. You won't get to call it. When I, <laughs> when I used to go to youth camp and kids were having powerful experiences and they're speaking in tongues and one of my friends 
got sign language, and it, she was doing signs that actually were signs, you know. I'm going, I'm hungry. I, 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 yeah, that's about all I know. She, that's all she knew beforehand, but she, she was speaking in signs. And there are those that are able to interpret it. And I'm going, God, I, I'm, I'm seeking you. I'm trying to do right. Here I am crying, and I don't like it. And that's all I get. I don't speak in, I'm not speaking in tongues. I'm not, you know, not falling. Nothing's happening. And I've been one of those guys who stands in the whole line, and I'm the only one standing at the end. There's a humiliation with that that you really don't want in that moment. God, I'm so willing to fall down. If I fall down without power from you, I'm going to feel like a hypocrite. I am not doing this except for you. Again. And yet, I've had powerful things transpire in his timetable. And things that I can't deny the hand of the Lord in. And so what I put out to you is that, you know, when, when they're, the book of Acts has highlights, right? You don't write a book and saying, you know, well, we had Cheerios this morning. You know, you write highlights. At 10.52, he went to the bathroom. No, it's not in there. They took highlights. But that said, God has highlights for each life, but he chooses when it shall happen. And you can read this, and it inspires a faith and a hope that says, yeah, when God, does, when God says it's time, he's going to do things in my life in a powerful way, as he wants, when he wants, and he will choose what gifts to give me and use for ministry, He's going to call me to witness to others, and, and as I respond to that, he's going to give what's needed. But his timetable and his kingdom marches at his will and his decision. My goal is to submit and walk with it. And I can look at some of these passages and say, hey, they appeared to put their... I was going to say put their pants on one leg at a time just like us, but their robes, whatever, you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? You know, they were ordinary people that God guided as was appropriate. They had misconceptions about even when things should take place. And yet he did not disqualify them because of that. They, they looked at the scripture and they applied it to the best of their ability. They waited and God came through. And I suggest to you that if we'll do our best to walk in a similar way, God will guide our lives as well.
We'll be able to look back in the story of our life. We'll have the stamp of God upon it in such a way that we can't deny what he's done. Thank you for your scripture. It speaks life. I pray for each one here. There be that awareness of who you are and the embracing of you as the authority over all things and a willingness to submit to your ways and the diligence to seek you for all things. Amen.